0: Hey guys, before we get into the show, I just want to um, give you a little heads up. This is actually episode 79, and for whatever dumbass reason, I kept saying 78. So just pretend like every time you hear episode 78 or campbloodpodcast.com slash 78, just pretend that I said 79 instead. Sorry for the fuck up. I didn't really feel like fixing it. There you go. <laughs> Return to Camp Blood, episode 78. Shoot the reboot. This episode is brought to you by Friday the 13 13th dot This
1: is Jason's alive. He killed my friend now he's coming to me. He's got a death curse. Chris. Jason's a legend.
2: I'm Mrs. warrior. An old friend of the
1: Christie's. Jason belongs me.
3: You're dreaming if you stay here. Never come back, back again. You see, Jason was away son.
2: Today
0: is his birthday. Welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Chris, joined by my fellow counselors, Eric. What's up, y'all? Nate. What's up, guys? And Allison.
2: Hey, what's up, guys?
0: So the early 2000s was a really good time in terms of horror franchise reboots. We had Texas Chainsaw uh, 2003. Amityville Heart was back in 2005. Rob Zombie's Halloween came out in 2007, and the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot came out in uh, 2010. For us, though, it's the Friday 13th reboot that had us excited in 2009. It had been almost seven years since Friday, Freddy vs. Jason with really no realistic way to continue the storyline of the previous 11 films. So, writers Shannon and Swift settled on a reimagining. It was directed by Marcus Nispel, who was kind of known for reboots um, and reimaginings. like the aforementioned TCM, Frankenstein, and Conan. So, before I get into the meat of what I want to talk about, I'll say that when I first saw this in the theaters for the first time, I was disappointed, and I fucking hated it. I was like, Jason doesn't run. Jason doesn't do this. Jason doesn't do that. But, like, after Uh starting... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I almost walked out of the damn theater. I was so pissed off. It wasn't really until we started doing the show that I really came to love the film for what it, exactly it is. Um, and this is something we say all the time, and that's it's a fucking love note to the entire series. It it just is. Um, I don't know how anybody could look at this film. I mean, yeah, maybe there are parts of it you don't like, but you you gotta admit the love and care that went into to making this
1: film. What it is uh, for me personally, I mean, you know people hate on reboots, and you know that's that's paying homage that's carrying it on to a different generation, and quite frankly, millennials speak a different language than what we eighties kids do, and so if it's a retranslation i I'm okay with it and i I feel like that they stuck to the formula with on the reboot, and i I felt like that when i when I initially saw, I thought. Damn, because like TCM two thousand three actually scared me. I I was uh, uh, it was off putting, and uh, and so was so was the reboot for me. I mean, I I, I loved it. I thought I, I thought that it was all well done. I mean, that's immediately before we started doing the show. Um, and I I I've loved it from day one.
0: Yeah, I, gu- I guess it was supposed to like. I, when I was researching for this film, I, I was reading on the um, Friday Thirteenth Wiki for the film, and it, it said that the movie was intended to be a sequel to Freddy vs Jason, but I couldn't really find anything that backed that up. Plus, like, um, even though the the writers were the same for both movies, like the tone was way different, um, and Jason's portrayed way different. Um, a- after I like started doing the show, I, I really came to see the the positive
1: merits into you know into the film itself with all the sprinklings of nostalgia in this movie they're missing the one golden thing about the first and second friday crazy ralph
0: wait wait what's that you say goody camp blood ain't ya? we'll never come back again <laughs> it's got a death <laughs> the, to be to be fair they did put his bike in the tunnels at least, you know, that's what I thought it might have been. Yeah, it seemed that way. We had Mark's wheelchair, and then Mark, our um, Pamela's sweater was in there somewhere.
2: There was the old lady, though, um, that kind of warned, you know, uh, what was it she said? Something about he just wants to be left alone or, or something like that. So I, she was kind of a prophet of doom, I guess.
0: That's true. For me though, she was more of a um, she was more of a callback to um, um, Texas Chainsaw than anything. Well, but
3: with her also, she had her door knocked on. It wasn't like Crazy Ralph roaming around. So there's a little bit of a difference there.
2: Not true.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about that opening scene um, where you know Pamela and Alice have that final showdown, like in Part One and i think that that scene pretty much confirms what we've been theorizing all along and that's the fact that jason didn't fucking die as a boy um and and from from what i understand that that was something paramount push to have in the film to um show that very thing so like yes, we all know victor miller didn't didn't start the series intending on there being any sequels, and as far as he and uh, you know the Friday world that he wrote in was concerned, you know Jason actually did drown, but I think that um you know um if you take this this film in into context with the rest of the series, I think actually that that scene sort of um begs more questions than it answers really. Um, so we all know sort of like from part one, how Pamela acted and, and why she acted the way she did for the most part. Um, which makes sense. Like Victor was saying on, uh, when we had him on the show, it makes sense, you know, um, why she's acting like she does in that film. But when you show Jason not actually dying, then that leaves a whole, you know, other bunch of questions open ended now um like you know basically where the fuck was Jason during you know all the all the you know part 1 stuff i mean obviously this is this is sort of like a a fork in the timeline here so we can't exactly like call back to the other movies to to decide this but um for me that that just that you know couple minute scene like just opens up a lot of doors in terms of like things we like to do in the show like theorizing. Um but since the writers didn't really want to spend a lot of time on backstory, we're left to speculate about a lot of stuff now. <laughs> Did you guys get that get that same feeling?
3: Well I, I see what you're saying and I won't disagree with that, but the one way that I just looked at it as is it is a reimagining you know, a re- if you want to call it reboot, that's fine. But I, I think reimagining is probably a more proper way to to describe it, you know, since they are kind of going a little bit of a different route with it. So I think that just leaves the door open, you know, for, f- you know, future films to probably capitalize off of that exact same point.
2: Right? Like, what is what is her motive going to be? You know, in the first one, the original, she kills everybody because they weren't paying attention. to Her son drowned. So, like, what kind of motivation are we, what kind of direction is it going to take it in?
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I first saw it, and it's it's just like everything that Chris just said, you're thinking, okay, this kind of goes against the grain a little bit, but it is a reimagining of the film, so if you just look at it that way, it leaves it open, you know. it 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 is a big factor in changing, you know, things that we already know, but like I said, if you just view it objectively, you know, I, I was okay with it.
1: You know, I, and I've said this in uh, earlier episodes, and my my take on it was even even in Friday the 13th with with all the speculation that we do here at return to camp blood and i know we've talked to victor miller i know what he says but it would still play the same if in Friday the 13th 1980 jason never did die but pamela's just batshit crazy and maybe some trauma happened and that pissed her off and that and that was what sent her on her blood rage you know maybe she they had to stay in the 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 shack or whatever and she kept jason away from everybody and that it was more of a metaphorical dead than an actual uh, that's that's the only way that I could ever get it to play right yeah, I think that's a good,
3: you know, a good way to look at it, too. But I mean, you, we can sit here all day and play the what if game. But obviously, you know, this wasn't exploring the history of the films. It was just, you know, a quick look of, you know, hey, this is what's going on. And we do see, you know, young boy Jason. So it, it does go against the grain. But like I said, it's I don't really think anybody had that big of an issue with it.
2: I have a really hard time separating, you know, like I'm a I'm so familiar with the original movies that when I watch this, this is only the third time I've ever seen this. So it's really hard for me to watch this and and see it as as a new storyline. You know, I'm sitting there going, "No, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to go." I have a hard time with that.
0: Well, I, I, I think I sort of take a blend like um, between what you were just saying, Allison, and, and then looking at it as an entirely different. Um, you know, sort of story. Um, so I sort of let the old films like fill in the blanks where the, the new movie, you know, they, where they don't touch on some things. Um, but really a lot of that is in that opening scene with Pamela and Alice. Um, so basically I use, you know, maybe my theories and stuff from part one to help, with um you know explaining that whole situation plus like i think for the for the most part we on this show have always taken um the 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 line that jason didn't die so you know in a way i guess this doesn't really change much for our theories um it just pretty much like i don't know um bolsters it in some way um with this new timeline although i hear now that the new film is not following um, is not going to be like a sequel to this film. So I don't fucking know anymore. Well, I guess we'll have to see, um, hopefully in a couple months, um, what's in store for the new film,
1: (laughs) you know, I, and it did, I mean, you know, uh, our brain tends to fill in the blanks and for us, hardcore fans, I mean, it was a, it was a good enough to where the previous movies would help us fill in the blanks. Uh, like why is Mama's head in a hole in the wall with candles, or why is Jason uh, not killing Whitney? You know, but it also plays generic enough that someone that had never seen any of the films before could watch it and enjoy the movie. And so I thought that it, I thought that it captured the, the the for the hardcore fans and for new fans as well.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing. Um, and I, you know, like I, we've said over the course of the show, a lot of this stuff already, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, they, they, they put in, they put just enough in there to, to, to give you like a, a small, like sort of a primer on a little bit of the backstory. Um, and obviously it was a way to introduce the locket. Uh, so it worked for, you know, as a, as a plot device for later in the film where Whitney, um, finds that locket um so move, moving on past that scene and um into like the i guess prequel to the film <laughs> or not the prequel the um the uh um, the
1: best kills in the entire series
0: the the prologue uh rather um the prologue of the film um because you know you're you're watching that that those opening shots and you know you feel like you're already in the movie proper but you know obviously then at the end of that group of kids dying the credits start you know the 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 introduction credits start rolling um and i thought that that opening that 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 sort of prologue if you will had some of the best and most brutal fucking kills in the in like you said the whole series you know you you got um you got um you know, Amanda and Mike, you know, not Mike. Um, you got Amanda and Richie. Richie's caught in a bear trap while he has to watch his girlfriend Amanda being burned alive in a sleeping bag over the campfire. That is just, oh, my gosh. Like,
2: even nice when I saw the film for the-, the sleeping bag kill, too, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess that shot was done um that was a composite shot. Like um, the, the director didn't, didn't want to rely too heavily on CG. There's a little bit of CG in here, but um, you know, that, that, that particular scene was a, was a composite shot. You know, they, they, I guess they, they touched the fire up uh, with CG, but um you know, they filmed just the fire and then just the girl in the bag, but bringing that, those two um, elements together, man, like, I, I man, I, I can't imagine a more a more terrible way to go in pretty much all of these films than that one, than Amanda's kill.
1: <laughs> you know, and um, also whenever um, uh, Whitney and her boyfriend are in, in Jason's shack, and I mean, and the machete starts coming up through the floor, man, that's that's fucking brutal. I mean, he's just, and by the time he gets hit one time. Then Jason's honed in on where he's at, and he's just like through the. I mean, nice part four callback with the machete through the center, of the between the uh, ring finger and the uh, middle finger, um, and you know, I mean, just everywhere, and he's he's just done, and it just it just showed just a, such a violent Jason, and I loved it. I, I love it. I mean, sackhead, no sackhead. That is just that. That's just great to me.
0: Yeah, um, you know, cuz I I've said this before too, like Derek Meir's portrayal as Jason in this film is probably um some of the most realistic um as uh, you know that we've seen since probably part 2. Um in terms of like them showing the humanity sort of of Jason. He doesn't you know, in this film he doesn't come across as some, you know, supernatural unkillable force he comes he comes across as i i think in in and in, in some respects is way more sympathetic in this film than uh, than many of the previous ones um actually out of all of them i think he comes across most sympathetic in this film um but you know they didn't overdo the sympathy they didn't overdo the sympathy too much to where it was you know sort of distracting i mean you still were okay with jason dying by the end but like, it definitely shows, you know, to me, like, you know, Derek Mears' frame is smaller in this one than some of the other ones, um, which, you know, to me, Jason in this film was supposed to be like this rugged survivalist, you know, who's living off the land in the woods. And, like, just the look that they gave him, like, I feel like just fit that that perfectly, um, in
1: my opinion. Oh, absolutely! I mean, his uh, his whole look, and I mean that's that's the way Jason would be. He's feral. I mean, and if he, you know, he's not on a murder spree to get from Higgins Haven to uh to what Cooperstown is that where they took his body in part four? Uh so to back to Crystal Lake, and he's you know killing everybody on the way, and then. Uh, in part four we get the the between the house scenes and he's immediately immersed in in this. We're not following that trilogy, and I I think that it just it did it, it put it it put a human factor to Jason that uh, that we hadn't seen. I mean, since Jenny and part two, and but then again we saw it in, with Tommy in part and the one thing that I will knock Derek Mears on is he can't throw. I mean, the what I'm picturing right now is the canoe scene where he's he finds he finds the bag uh, he finds uh, uh, is it Clay's bag and he starts throwing the the canoes off, and that scene could almost be Richard Brooker in a barn looking for Chris Higgins. Yeah, yeah, but. But I, I did, I, I, I love the human aspect of Jason, but that didn't take away one ounce of his brutality. And I mean, that was just it, it, unrelenting and I, I love it. And I mean, that's what Jason's supposed to be and I, and, and creative with his kills. And I mean, he, you know, he's not packing some, uh, darts in his pocket, but he's, you know, he's definitely, uh. He's, he's, he's got a a murder rig that he runs around with. I mean, that's for sure. And, you know, and I just, I, I do. It's just that picture of even, uh, even when he goes, uh, into the, uh, the barn, uh, and to collect some gasoline and, you know, get his crop back that got stolen. I'd be pissed too. Um, and that scene right there, uh, when uh, he's going in, you know, he catches the dude being distracted and uh, then he tries to reason with Jason and you know, and then the fight ensues. Then we get, he gets the, the sack head pulled off and you know, and that scene right there and you're looking and that's exactly, I mean, that's just, to me, it was just awesome because that's the, that's what Jason's ailments should be. I mean, based on Tom Savini and, ah, uh, then, then just the reveal of the hockey mask. I mean, it was just, just to me, that was epic.
0: Yeah. And that I, I was reading earlier today that, um, the look for Jason was modeled as a blend of the, of top, both Tom Savini's models from part one and part four.
2: Mask reveal was one of my favorite parts. Actually. It was, uh, it was way more dramatic than the mask reveal in part three, which, you know, part three is actually my favorite of the franchise, but the way that the mask was revealed, he sees himself in the mirror and he just looks so badass and huge. I mean, it was freaking awesome.
3: What you refer to as the prologue or the opening scene or or whatnot, whatever you want to call it, um, I remember the first time I watched the film and, you know, like Eric had mentioned, you didn't realize that you were... Not into the the full movie itself yet, so I remember watching that scene, you know, and everything that's going on, and just thinking, "Wow, you know, this is pretty badass. This is is it's classic Friday the Thirteenth stuff as you can possibly get." And I, I would say that's my favorite part in the whole film.
2: Yeah the the part where Wade goes into the woods and finds the the marijuana, and he's looking, and all of a sudden there's Jason behind him, and the way he comes at him. He is so vicious and just I think that's probably my favorite part of that whole opening sequence. It's pretty tame compared to everything else. But just the way Jason is portrayed in that first sequence there is just freaking amazing.
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. I just like the whole opening scene. I mean, everything about it, like I said, it's just pretty classic Friday stuff. You know, uh, the kids around the fire and, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, they just they did a very good job on that on that opening shot.
0: One one thing that I will say about, it, you know, you, you want to take it back to the campfire scene, which is obviously a callback to, you know, part two. But what I did like about that um, is, you know, y- you get the same sort of spiel that you got from Paul, but wrapped up in a different way. Um, uh, I guess Wade is the one that tells the story, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, about Jason and his mom or whatever. Um, So, you know, this whole film was nothing but and I'm not saying this uh, like it's a bad thing, but, you know, it it took a lot of our favorite moments from these older films and and wrapped them all up in something new, Um, which, like Eric was saying, you know, some people don't like stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't mind it at all when, you know, someone takes something that I love and, you know, sort of puts their own spin on it. You know, as as long as the 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 spirit of the thing that I like is still there, I, I'm not I'm not really all that concerned with like yeah you know how how they change the storyline or whatever. And you know sometimes doing some of these reimaginings, you can even make the storyline better. Which um, I don't have a horror example for this, and I've mentioned before on the show that I I like watching it, but um take you know the Battlestar Galactica the new version of it it took a pretty shitty old 70s tv show and i think even at the time like it didn't it didn't do that well um but it it, it reimagined you know they they reimagined the storyline put it in sort of a more modern context and made it better now i'm not saying that the the friday reboot made you know made the 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 franchise better but you know they they did sort of the same thing, even though we don't get a clear like year or or whatever, you know, you could tell that it was, you know, closer to, you know, modern times rather than be trying to be set back in the eighties or whatever. But I just like, you know, I just love the way that, you know, again, they, they took all these elements from previous films and, you know, sort of breathed new life into them
2: cool thing to me was, you know, like in the first film, you don't know anything about Jason. His name is not mentioned until Mrs. Voorhees shows up at the very end. And then, oh, Jason, you know, and in this one, you know, first straight out of the gate, we talk about Jason, we talk about a backstory. It would have been kind of cool, you know, while I love the first film, obviously, but it would have been really cool to kind of have that backstory in the first film and maybe kind of have this idea that Jason was the one doing all this stuff and then, whoa, Oh shit. It's Mrs. Voorhees. It's not Jason at all. So that, that would have been kind of cool in that original film.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that, that that could have worked very easily. I mean, a good bait and switch. I mean, that's, that's classic horror. I mean, but, uh, Victor Miller had a, had a vision and he went with it, you know, I mean, even though he says he did it out of attrition, um, he did a great job, uh, but yeah, if they if he had the foresight to see you know sequels past bad shit that can happen on Friday the 13th, and yeah, having that backstory in the original would have been great. But I also think what would have even been better is you could have still had Trent as the preppy dickhead. We're skipping to uh, the the suburban scene, but damn it. Lawrence and Chewy should have been chiefin in the back just like in part 3. That's just my opinion. I mean that that would I would love to see that shot, but you know we get it and it's uh, I mean it's and it's there, you know. And uh they just show it a different way and you know the whole scene and I I I can't, you know, at first I I I was going to knock Trent as being as bad, if not worse than Rick. But, uh, him and Bree have that, that moment outside where he kind of acts human for a moment, uh, before clay shows up. And, uh, when she asked him to go on a hike in the woods or whatever. And, but as old as what it seems like clay's parent or not clay, but, uh, Trent's parents had owned this property wouldn't you think that he would have known a little bit of the story? I mean, I, I know if, if were my kid, I'd be like, don't go in those fucking woods. I mean, I know the lady in the beginning says, you know, outsiders don't know where to walk and we just want to be left alone. He just wants to be left alone. But, I mean, you know, couldn't you, w- w- if you're out there, even if you're a prick like Trent, what, uh, you'd think you would say, hey, don't do this. this. This, this is bad idea. Not, not a good idea at all.
0: Yeah. And that, that was kind of a big problem that I had with this film was that, um, like you said, Trent, you know, even though that, you know, that place looked like it'd been there for a while and that had been in his family for a while. So you'd think they'd, they'd know, you know, he'd know something about, uh, Jason, especially since Wade told that story. um, But I mean, again, though, like, I guess not again, but I mean, like, it could have just been one of those issues like with Higgins Haven where, you know, Jason just kind of followed everyone uh, to that spot rather than that being like a normal haunt of his, Um, even though it's, you know, I guess it's, I guess it's relatively close. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I I don't think there's a, a very good explanation for that to be honest um the the like i said the best thing i could come up with is you know it it, it might just be the higgins haven situation
1: where he just kind of followed them there and uh, and i could buy off on that and I, I i thought that as well however they own a boat on crystal lake so you know there's and oh by the way don't go to this fucking side of the lake <laughs> you you'll regret it and I mean maybe that's why he told him not to take the boat. I mean, I don't know. Uh and uh I <laughs> but but going back
0: to your comparison of Rick and Trent, I would say Trent is the bigger fucking ass bag than Rick. Trent is just like in in some in some parts I think he's he's too much of a dick. Like I just can't fathom a guy who's that dick holish having that many fucking friends. Now, I mean, it could be because he's, you know, he's obviously rich and spoiled. So maybe he spoils his friends or the people that hang around him. But like in, in some points, I just thought his his dick wholeness was just way too over the top. But he's yeah. definitely bet worse than Rick.
2: <laughs> yeah, considering that he was screwing another girl, like very obviously in front of his girlfriend, you know, she's beating on the door and he's telling her to go away. They're busy in there. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> but she had perfect nipple, nipple placement. Yes, she, did. <laughs> she had a
1: perfect nipple placement.
0: <laughs> who said? Who says that? Who the fuck says anything like that during sex? <laughs> no one. No one. That's who.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean and i i thought that the even the hokey sex scenes in here cry, that they cry, they did what they were supposed that that's the comedy that i like from a friday the 13th film i mean you know uh, we got interrupted and i love the fact that they created the comedy not so much from it being campy but from a genuine comedy pers- perspective a uh, comedic perspective um by way of you know, I mean, chewie and Lawrence, of course, bring a lot, and you know that's and and then those scenes and uh, but I don't know i that's uh, that's a toss up i mean yeah i i'm gonna I'm gonna have to lean back towards Trent being the the bigger dick between uh, maybe we need to do a show about that. Uh, dick off. <laughs> maybe we could call it jack off and uh, explain the differ uh, the comparison. To who's the bigger dick, Trent or Rick?
3: <laughs> dude,
2: speaking of you know jack off. Um, how about dude that's gonna jack off in the living room while everybody's just kind of he's using a, a winter catalog and he's just gonna jack off in the middle of the living room, dude.
1: Hey. You got to use what you got to utilize your resources. Uh, that's all I got to say. And I mean, it sounds right. like you got experience with that, sir. I I will neither confirm nor <laughs> deny anything. I uh, n- yes, and that <laughs> might've, might might have involved. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What's he say? I'm going to wreck you. <laughs> That's
3: hilarious. (laughs) Well, I mean, we haven't discussed yet, you know, the thing that a lot of fans tend to complain about, and that's the fact that Jason's a kidnapper. So, you know, if there's really most of the complaints that I've ever heard about the film, you know, other than some of the little bullshit stuff here and there, obviously, we're all going to have matters of opinion on the small stuff. But in the big picture, you know, everybody's complaint seems to be, you know, why is Jason kidnapping people? You know, Jason's not a kidnapper. He's a killer. So that I would say that's the number one problem in the storyline for a lot of fans.
2: I agree with that because I thought that when I watched it, you know, he's got this girl chained up and I'm thinking, when has Jason ever chained anybody up? He does not keep anybody hostage just because they look like his mom. He's killing everybody. So yeah, that was a big problem I had.
3: Yeah, I think that's, at least in my opinion, that seems to be the biggest concern with the film. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of the film. I like it. You know, there's some things I don't like about it. I like the fact, obviously, that they did keep it, you know, present day times and didn't go back to the 80s and try to reboot it from there. Because then it just really would have fucked up, you know, the the lack of continuity that we already have. So, you know, I think that was a good thing. Not that they couldn't do a, a an 80s version of it and be successful, but I just like the way that they went, you know, I didn't necessarily agree with the kidnapping part either. I think they could have done some different things with it, but you know, I would just still have to say that's probably my biggest complaint with it is that aspect.
0: Uh, Obviously clay is, is supposed to be representative of Rob here looking for his sister. Now, I mean, obviously in part um, four, she's dead. Uh, um, So I think what you have in Whitney is sort of a combination uh, of, of Jenny uh, as well as Rob's sister, obviously, if, if, Sandra. if, yeah, Sandra, if Clay is the analog for Rob. So, you know, uh, yeah, you also got to think too, we're, we're, we're not dealing with the same Jason, you know, this is a totally re obviously totally reimagining re reimagination of Jason. Now they, they do hit a lot of his, you know, other sort of personality traits, But I I don't necessarily take issue with this, you know, especially when um, I'm trying to think of a good fucking reason. I didn't I
1: didn't have a problem with it, but I I don't necessarily have a good reason for it Um, that. Well, uh, the reason I don't have a problem with it is because he's what uh, we know He's a hydrocephalic mongoloid, pinhead, cannibal, rapey, necrophile, murdering. What was all on the list? Can you add at least 12 more to that? Yeah, well, I, well literally you can. And so no, I, I want to well, hear you add 12 more to it though. Uh, <laughs> just keep it going. Let's see. <laughs> I, I listen to our older episodes Nate. <laughs> I don't I don't think I could suffer through those. But adding kidnapper to a long list already of odd little things like I mean like the fact that Chris Higgins sup- Supposedly, got uh, was sexually assaulted by Jason. That's what they led you to believe, and um, that's what Steve Miner led you to believe, uh, rather. Uh, and so, him kidnapping and 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 coveting uh, the visage of his mother, I, I can see that, and he doesn't want to let that go again. So, I mean, basic child psychology—if it looks like mommy and it is mommy, you know, uh, that's, that's just the way that, that it works.
0: I don't, I don't necessarily think that because if, if he thought in those terms, he wouldn't have chained her up. I don't think, I mean, we
3: can, we can debate that all day long. That would be a whole nother show. But the fact of the matter is I think that's the, the The fans' biggest complaint with that film is that specific aspect, you know, not the fact that, you know, uh, how Derek portrayed Jason or, you know, that we've seen young Jason in the film. I think it was more so for the kidnapping issue.
1: And, 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 yeah, I mean, and, you know, Jenny Field wore the sweater and Jason and, you know, that brought back, and he, he was going to let Jenny kill him. I mean, he was down on his knees. And so... If she's wearing the pendant, and that's that's his association with mommy, and she's, mommy's acting crazy because, mommy was fucking shitbag crazy, and not necessarily over her little boy drowning, as this shows clearly, she's just shitbag crazy. So, and there's a fucking tunnel there. I mean, who's to say that you know, mama and Elias didn't build that, and who's to say that you know, why he is, he he keeps her chained up. Uh, He might've had to keep mommy chained up at some point, or does that make sense?
0: Well, or maybe, maybe she did it to him um, when he was younger. Correct.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, all this theoretical stuff. I mean, I I don't really play into that a whole lot. I, I just take what they give us in the films and I, use that information and and go from there. I mean, yeah, it's fun to, you know, hypothesize. Yes, we know,
0: but we like doing this shit, so deal with it.
3: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I do have to deal with it, so, yeah, I mean, but that's just something that's a never-ending thing. I mean, what if...
0: Your answer to all of this can't be, I don't like speculating. That can't be your answer to everything (laughs) that we say.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, if you like to speculate, that's fine. I have no problem with that, but... I mean, it's going to be an all-day thing because the possibilities are endless. I mean, but when you're just, you know, basically going over the film in general, we just got to take what they gave us.
0: Fair enough.
3: <laughs> I mean, getting into, you know, did Mama Voorhees dig tunnels and shit like that? I mean, Jesus Christ, we'll be all day with that.
1: Well, I mean, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not trying to uh, bring up the, that. I mean, they got there somehow, and they they had been there for a long fucking while, and uh and so there's if I can add if I if I can it's not necessarily speculating but rather uh I- imagining a scenario that puts Whitney being chained up. But yeah, I mean, I get all that
3: stuff, and that's that's all fine. I mean, we're just not. I don't think we're given enough information really to to make. A judgment call on you know why that is actually happening, you know why are we seeing this, considering Jason's never you know spared a life ever, so that totally goes against the grain of the killing machine, but like i said it it is a reimagining, so you have to view it objectively and and think about it like that Higgins yeah, yeah, that's true he did well yeah, okay i mean ninety nine point nine percent of people have died. Yep. All
0: right, Allison, was there a part of the film that you wanted to talk about?
3: Actually,
2: I kind of wanted to talk about the soundtrack. You know, we don't have the the customary Harry Manfredini uh, soundtrack that we normally have, but this soundtrack was pretty badass. I mean, especially in that first sequence, like Nate was talking about earlier, it's already awesome. And I thought the soundtrack made it. you know a hundred times more awesome, so what did you think about not having the the regular Friday the thirteenth soundtrack
0: well they 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 did get the rights to use um some of it, and if you listen close, you will hear some of the original soundtrack in there um here and there but um I think um basically the the guy who did the sound who did the score was was told to sort of you know do it in the spirit of of Manfredini. Um so I think maybe that's why it worked really well. I yeah I agree. It's maybe not necessarily like like its own character like like it is in the previous films um and especially the older ones. Um but but it's it's definitely memorable and it's in its own way. I definitely liked it better than what we got in Freddy versus Jason for sure.
1: Oh for sure.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could kind of look at it as being more of a modernized version, I guess. But I, I think it worked well. I mean, like you just mentioned, the opening scenes. I mean, the the dooming music. You know, right before it, it goes to a cut. I mean, they just they did a good job with it overall. I think.
2: And the color of the film too. I mean, you know, the great blue and green tones that they used. Um, also, what am I trying to say? Um, You know, like in Halloween, you've got that really awesome blue tone to everything, and it really makes it creepy. And this one had that awesome green-blue look to everything. So that made it even darker and creepier and add the music to it, and it was just great, just fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I thought it was, too. I thought it was a really good callback to the old movies that used basically primary colors to compensate for lack of lighting. And, uh, so that's why, you know, mama's worries, mama worries, sweaters that blue. And, and if you, uh, we had, what, uh, was it, uh, Wes Keltner from the, uh, video game on, and he, he explained that as well. It's something that, uh, I'd picked up on, but that's what gave Friday the 13th, that look and Halloween had its own. And I'm sure that, you know, based on how well Halloween did and so you know uh, uh, Sean Cunningham talking to a cinema, cinematographer well, and you want to get those aspects and pull pull those aspects from it and that's one thing i was glad to see that they brought into the reboot was just the look of the film and i thought it was i thought it was great
3: i don't know if you guys got a chance to watch it yet but recently a um uh, a trailer for the 09 film somebody had edited one to give it an 80s vibe and it's kind of been floating around. Have you guys have you had a chance to watch that yet? Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: No, that sounds awesome, though.
0: Yeah, I, I saw it. I wasn't I wasn't terribly huge fan of it,
3: but I I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, obviously you got to watch it first, and you can make your own judgment. But I mean, I think it worked out pretty good. I, I like the way it turned out. It really did. It, it's surprising how the film really does resemble you know an '80s film the way that it's edited. Um, I can't remember the person that made it, but if you got onto YouTube and, uh, just typed in maybe, you know, Friday the 13th, 2009, you know, edit or uh trailer eighties edit, something to that effect, uh, you should be able to find it.
0: Yeah. I'll actually put a, um, I'll either embed it in the post for this episode or, or put a link to it in the show notes, um, at, uh, campbloodpodcast.com slash 78. So it'll, it'll be there so you can find it pretty easily.
2: It kind of seemed too like um, they really got inspiration from several other movies with some of the characters in this. Like the guy in the barn when Clay goes in to ask him about you know whether he'd seen his sister, I got a total wrong turn vibe from that guy, and he also reminded me of the guy in House of Wax that takes them to the town after their car breaks down. So I got a, a Got the idea that they pulled from a lot of different um films
0: for their Instagram. Hey man, you want to buy some weed? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I got I got that same um uh House of Wax vibe too uh from that guy. Um I <laughs> I'm sorry, that guy was just great.
2: <laughs>
0: he's just he's just like the epitome of like backwoods fucking
1: Country is all good out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Licking the the porno magazine.
0: (laughs) Hey, what guy hasn't ever done that before? Oh. (laughs) 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 Maybe I wasn't quite that old, but...
2: Yeah. Well, he named the his mannequin too. You know, in the barn, um, she had some kind of—I don't remember—Gina or something like that.
0: Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: like I can't even,
0: like I can't even say anything about that because it's just like, whoa. <laughs> Absolutely. But like that—that's the. <laughs> You know, that that's the kind of comedy that I think belongs in a in a Friday the thirteenth movie and instead of being overtly silly.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, like the stupendous uh the stupendous remark. Oh, those
1: are stupid your what's he say, your body's stupendous? Uh yeah, close enough. He's a dick bag. No, that's not what he said. But, you know,
3: the the nipple placement, the stupendous comment, you know, stuff like that. I mean, you almost expect that from a Friday film. I mean, yeah, it's kind of corny, kind of <laughs> cheesy, whatever you want to call it. But oh, you just kind of.
2: Your tits are stupendous.
3: Yeah, that's what he said. But yeah, with Friday films, you got to expect something like that. I mean, you know, there's in a lot of the other films, you know, there's comments made like that, you know, like. Uh, So I I just think it's pretty much expected, at least from a character like Trent anyway.
2: Oh, sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man.
2: Something else I found kind of funny was when they realized Jason's there and Clay calls 911 and he says, the house by Crystal Lake. And then he says, yeah, that's the one. Like, that's the only house next to Crystal Lake. They knew exactly where he was without having any kind of identifying characteristics at all. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no yeah that that's what he said, and uh, it's almost like uh you see in a horror movie where they call nine one one they say hello nine one one, and oh. that's the movie magic for you,
3: like the like the dispatcher just automatically knows you know immediately, <laughs> maybe a caller i d man, <laughs> you never know, I mean, it could be some kind of new technology we don't know about exactly. <laughs> yeah but uh you know that, but i that's... mean be, but hang on though before we go past that i mean how many times you know if you did call the police and tell them that you know people are getting killed why is only one officer showing up i mean do you think that there's only they're only going to send one i mean come on now <laughs> <Well>,
1: hey <laughs> it might be some wacky kids playing a prank on the cops well but still not... i mean if you have a homicide you'd expect more than one officer to show up but they could have been playing a trick
3: I mean, maybe maybe there's only one officer on the force. I don't know.
0: Yeah, to be fair, I mean that that it seems like it's a pretty damn small town.
1: Uh. <laughs> you know, I I thought that this this film had some of the best in the entire series, and I know we talked about some in the prologue, uh, but Lawrence's death uh, with the double bit axe, and he's Jason's baiting them to come outside. Chewie's death. Uh, Trent's death, I thought, was just. I mean, you thought that that dickhead was going to get away, and no, bam. And I, I just, I, I thought it. I, I thought that it was very creative in every single aspect of the of the kills.
3: Yeah, they did a really good job with all of them. I think. Uh, you know, there's really not a bad a bad death scene in the whole in the whole film. Um, I'd have to say my favorite though is the burning sleeping bag. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me too, especially since you know her boyfriend has to sit there and watch watch it happen, and and Jason just lets him watch it happen before he gets dispatched himself. Yeah, that that, that to me was just oh gosh, it was so brutal. <laughs> um, I, I i wish that um I wish that Trent would have I don't know I wish Trent's death would have been somehow worse
3: i was about to say the same thing I, if any if anything could have been improved upon it would have been let's uh find a better way to kill you know trent and his uh his uh dick ish bullshit as you like to say
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm here i am fucking uh you know i i i'm i'm pretty sure most people can you know throughout the course of listening to us they can they can tell i'm I lean a little bit to the liberal side, but I, I would have liked to see a way more humiliating death for that fucking guy.
3: Trent should have been Trent should have been in the sleeping bag.
2: Yes, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> what an
3: asshole! We'll we'll just leave it at that. Trent should have been in the sleeping bag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And you know, uh, you know, we we could we could. Uh, probably talk for a few more hours on this film because th- there's there's so much for me so much good stuff that i could say about it but um i think right now we are going to get into some listener mail but before we do let's hear a word from our sponsor all right so we got a couple um from the facebook page that i i wanted to uh talk about um the first one is from mike miller He says, um, I sent you a text a while back, uh, Michael from Ohio regarding the reboot. Basically, my thoughts were one, Jason does not take prisoners. And two, the sex scenes were extraordinarily bad. Like the sex scenes were so bad. They were unwatchable. Worst acting in any of the Friday the 13th movies. Jason himself was cool, especially starting the movie off with a variation of the pillowcase from part two. Otherwise it was a pretty decent movie. um, I think we covered the prisoners part. Like some of us have problems with it, some of us don't. Um, but the the sex scenes were pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> but I I would not go so far as to say that this film had the worst acting in all of the Friday Thirteenth movies. I thought Kelly Rawlings in Freddy vs Jason was like particularly terrible. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the acting, definitely, there was no issues. At least I didn't have any issues with the acting.
0: Well, my main issue was with Trent, really. It, um, like I said, in some points, he was a little over the top with his dickheadishness um, and how he said things. And, you know, particularly with him, in the sex scenes, I, I, if I had to single out anybody for shitty acting, it'd definitely be Trent.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think they were just really trying to zero in on that character type, you know, and, and really trying to zero in on that aspect. So you you expect because he's really the only one that said dumbass shit in the film. I mean, so you expect him in the bedroom to say dumbass shit also.
0: Yeah, and it, it just strikes me as weird because I've read some interviews with um Shannon and Swift, the writers, and they, they, you know, they basically said, well, we wanted to, you know, try to, you know, sort of get these guys to talk like people their age would talk, but I, out of all of them, I definitely didn't get that vibe from Trent like at all.
3: So really yeah, people don't talk like that. <laughs> no, no, young people at that time definitely weren't saying the bullshit he was saying, but they definitely got the point across of having the the preppy. I'm driving, you know, an Escalade, going to my, you know, going to the cabin. My, you know, my rich parents, blah blah blah. They definitely nailed all that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, next, we have Jeremy from Geekish Cast. Um, why do you guys think they didn't follow this movie up with a sequel? And is Derek Mears Jason a Boxers or Briefs guy? A <laughs> um, short answer to the first one, I have no fucking idea why they didn't want to follow this up with a sequel. Um, I thought, I mean, yeah, they they sort of ended it with, quote-unquote, Jason dying, but, you know... That definitely wouldn't be the first time we've seen Jason die and come back for a sequel.
3: Um, well, but at the end of that film, he does jump back out of the dock, you know. So it leaves it wide open for Jason, for that same Jason, to still appear, you know, in a sequel to that film.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they maybe, they maybe intended on making a sequel to this film because I know they had um, Derek on the on the hook for two films. Um, well, I, I haven't.
3: Yeah, and and I think there was some confusion because I have had some recent conversations with Derek, and the way that he explained it to me was that there might have been some confusion amongst the fans, assuming that he was going to be Jason in a sequel to the film, simply because he was under contract with Platinum Dunes for an additional film. You know, hearing him talk, he says, "Yeah, I'm under contract." You know, and and these aren't exact quotes by any means, but. Just him saying that he's he's under contract with them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's for another Friday film.
0: Oh, okay, that makes sense. I guess. Fair enough.
3: <clears throat> yeah, and I've heard him say that a couple times, you know, over the years. So, I mean, I, it, which makes perfect sense. I mean, you can obviously be under contract with a company, you know, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a Friday film. So, I, I certainly can understand.
0: Fair enough. Ugh. Um, as far as whether Jason is a boxer or a briefs guy, I'd like to think he's a free baller myself. I was gonna say Commando, sir. He Absolutely.
2: Was it was. He did not have any underwear.
0: <laughs> maybe he pilfered some. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> he made uh, some
1: hemp boxers.
0: <laughs> um, Tyler Thumb. Um, I think this maybe. I think this maybe may was not about the reboot. Um. He said, do you think we will see Pamela Voorhees getting killed by a counselor in it? Um, Definitely wasn't talking about the reboot because clearly um, we definitely see Alice killing her. Um, As far as what's in store for the next film, I I think I'd like to see maybe a a little bit more of Pamela in the next movie. Um, Whether they do that or not, I don't know, especially with my theory going on the fact that you know, this franchise is not known for Pamela anymore. Um, it hasn't been since probably part three. Um, so when a Friday the 13th movie comes out, people are, in my opinion, you know, obviously I have no data to back this up, but, um, people want to see Jason. Um, they don't necessarily give a fuck about Pamela. So who knows how, how, how involved Pamela is. Um, uh, or is not involved in this next film. I, I, I have no, I have no um, I don't know. I have no idea.
1: I definitely uh would lo- would not mind uh, the idea of exploring more into Mrs. Voorhees, uh, like in uh the comic Pamela's Tale, um, and uh where it explains and it gives more of a backstory and it, it and to me it brings more human character to uh to some pretty nuts people um, that being said I mean you can't I don't think that you can do a Friday the 13th movie without having Jason in it I mean people uh, hardcore fans I mean even the game guys they still hate on part 5 uh, just for the simple fact that J- Jason wasn't in it and I so that being said, I don't think that you can necessarily make a an entire movie uh, with mama in it and not explore uh at least the 25-year-old Jason that we saw uh in part 2. Uh and uh so I mean, you know, if they did that, I think that the the I think that the fan that that wouldn't be well received by the fans in in my opinion anyway.
0: Yeah, to me, that's something more for like a TV show if they ever decide to go that route, Um, seeing more of more Pamela in there Um, and maybe like a sort of like a flashback type thing. I don't don't know. I don't know how they would do it, but I think that's better suited for a TV show. Um, Pamela will likely never be a huge focus of any of the films moving forward. I just can't I can't fathom they would do that.
2: I don't think they would really have a whole lot of time to build her backstory. Um, you know, Friday the 13th is Jason. So to spend, you know, a half of a movie or I, I don't think you could get a, a whole lot of backstory out of that. Like you said, Chris, that's more of a TV show where you can spend as much time as you want doing backstory, kind of like they did with Bates Motel. They kind of went back and did all that. You can't do that in an hour and a half film and still get in the Jason time that people want.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Alex Harrow, long time listener here. Well, he didn't say that, but he writes us occasionally. <laughs> what did Jason feed Whitney? She might've had to eat some raccoons or squirrels that might've scarred her for life. Um, also the character of Trent is most likely the same Trent from the first tram transformers movie same actor, same car, same attitude, same name, Michael Bay, etc. think about that. <laughs> um I imagine that he fed Whitney the same shit he was living on, which probably was raccoons and or squirrels. Um you don't you don't think he made stew? <laughs> what like um like June <laughs> like like what's her name from um part 5?
3: <laughs> right. You big dildo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe hey, he I- did. I'm just, I'm not name calling. I'm just quoting movies here. (laughs) Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I think that any of the characters who survive these films are probably fucking scarred for life. A la Tommy Jarvis. (laughs) So I don't, I don't think that's something uh, you could say just about Whitney. I, I think they all would be fucked up if they survived that shit. Um, (laughs) <laughs> as far as um trent being the same character uh from the transformers movie uh i've never seen a transformers movie but i did do a little reading about it and it is a call back to that movie one calls back to the other i don't i don't remember which one came first but yeah that it's definitely they are definitely linked on purpose that way yeah i haven't seen the movie
3: either but i've heard the same thing and that's um cool.
2: Um, it was actually, first it was 2007. So.
3: And he didn't
0: think to mention anything about the Transformers in Friday the 13th. What the fuck, Trent?
3: <laughs> that wasn't very stupendous of him.
0: Just add to your dickholeness.
1: <laughs> Bastard could have called Ultima, Pr- Ultimus Prime.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Optimus Prime. Alright, um, and... Chris Ferrucci, I think that's how you say your name. If it's not, I apologize, sir. I've always wondered why there's a massive storm drain and bus in the middle of the woods. (laughs) Uh, I guess it it, it maybe makes sense why there would be a storm drain there, given that it's a small town next to a lake. Um, As far as the bus being in the middle of the woods, I mean, people leave vehicles to rot all the time, especially in, you know, Rural, area, rural areas like that so it just i don't know ambiance adds to the ambiance of the of the film plus you know i think it may be a callback to part 6 with the overturned rv maybe i don't know
1: and i mean and it was a camp and they would have buses there and you know if jason found a way to make a tunnel into it and i mean this this movie definitely shows a, a witty uh killer, a witty, efficient killer. I mean, he's got trip wires to that alert him uh, when someone's coming, when someone's on his property. He's got I, he he's got wormholes everywhere that he can pop out of. And I mean, and I love that 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 was explained here. You know, whereas before it just Jason shows up, and uh, now at least we can see a more a, a more. I guess survivalist way of portray uh, of portraying Jason popping out of nowhere and we give we give a way to see him getting uh getting where he needs to be via these network tunnels.
0: All right guys, final thoughts on Friday 13th 2009 Allison.
2: Well, it's definitely not my favorite, but I'll say I kind of went into it with a with kind of a shitty attitude. You know, the the originals are my favorite. I don't want to watch this. But, you know, once I watched it and then coming in here and talking about it with you guys, I've kind of changed my opinion of it a little bit. I mean, I I, I was kind of looking at it the wrong way. And it's it's actually a pretty decent addition to the franchise. I mean, if you can be objective and watch it as its own film. I think you can really enjoy it. And I think that newer watchers, you know, somebody who's just coming into horror movies, this would actually be a pretty decent film uh, to, to get them into the franchise. I mean, it's a, it's a lot faster and people these days kind of want more action. They want kill, 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 boom, boom, boom. And it's got everything. So this might actually be a good gateway into horror for some newer fans.
0: Yep. I agree with that. I either show them that or
1: Freddie versus Jason. Hmm. And I, I do, I think, I think that, uh, Alison's a hundred percent, right. Thank um,
2: it doesn't happen very often.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, Eric, since you're talking now, go ahead with your final thoughts for the reboot.
1: Well, my, my final thoughts for the reboot, you know, I thought that this movie was done really well. I thought that the stoners were some of the best stoners in Friday the 13th history. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, that, the fast pace of the movie, uh, I added anxiety to the, the watcher. Um, my only, I, and I'm all right with him kidnapping, uh, Whitney. I don't like the end scene. I think I, uh, Jason's death. I mean, you know, that's, I, I don't, I, I don't know why the fuck you wouldn't, why Clay and Whitney wouldn't just leave him fucking there with half his head gone instead they take him down to the lake and give him a burial and that just didn't make sense to me at all and so it, they had me all the way up and you know I and you know I thought it was going to be three survivors you know them coming out of the tunnel uh Clay then uh Whitney and then Bree you know she's getting ready to go and boom machete through the chest i thought that was awesome but the end Jason's death i just <laughs> I I I think that it would have been would have been better served leaving it uh with him uh being uh in the grinder I guess was, I don't exactly know what that machine was but uh a husker a wood chipper wood chipper I think uh, so uh and just just leaving him there and getting the fuck out instead of you know and instead of how how the fuck are you gonna carry that body down to the lake? Uh, even if you are clay, you're and you're carrying what Mears is what six six, and I mean that that's a lot of dead weight. And I, you're gonna get you're gonna take him down to the dock, and but that just didn't make sense as to why they would do that to me. I mean, and that's that. That's my only contention with the film. Other than that, I do think it's a great intro for anyone to the horror genre. And uh, I think out of all of the reboots, uh, this and uh, TCM 2003 are top-notch. Well, and Amityville, I thought uh, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw, then Amityville, top three reboots that – uh the this generation has come up with
3: final thoughts <clears throat> overall i think it was a good film the opening sequence i thought was just fucking badass i loved it i thought that was the best part of the film uh classic friday all the way through kill shots you know awesome uh you know production value was great Derek mirrors did an awesome job is jason um i really liked you know, what he did with the character and and what they were working with there. Not necessarily a huge fan of the kidnapping, but not really opposed to it. I just, you know, needed a little bit more, I guess. Really didn't understand, you know, the whole direct principle since we weren't really given a ton of information about it. But, you know, it worked. Um, Like I said, overall, just a great film. Um, I got got no problem with it at all. Like I said, it gets its hate from time to time for the kidnapping, at least from what I see. But I, I think it's a great film.
0: Yeah, well, I think that about does it for us tonight. Um, Yeah, I thought it was a great film.
3: (laughs) And I agree with Eric, too, about it being, you know, right up there on the reboots. I think that and also, uh, you know, TCM 03 were the top two other reboots in that in that era. You know, Uh, thank you, Marcus Nispel.
0: All right, please rate, review, and subscribe, wherever the fuck you listen to this show. If you want to support us financially, head over to campbloodpodcast.com slash donate. If you have a question or a theory, you can hit us up at the website under the contact tab or comment on the show notes at campbloodpodcast.com slash 78. Also, please consider checking out some of the other shows under the Astro Panda umbrella over at AstroPandaProductions.com. A special thanks goes out to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. You can check his stuff out at TheDownRiverRat.com. Until next time.